This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. From Earth Day the 22nd of April until Monday the 25th of April, residents and visitors alike are encouraged to take a walk on the wild side, discovering and exploring the city's natural places from the highlands to the high seas with the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival. In this segment, we hear from Wild Dunedin Festival organisers and participants. First up, a chat with Wild Dunedin Festival convener, Neil Haraway. Neil Haraway, good to have you with us on the Awesome Morning Show. Neil, thanks for coming in. Kia ora, Jeff. Let's, let's start with a little bit about you, Neil. Tell us about your own relationship with the city and its wild side. Okay, well, I came to Dunedin in the early 70s uh, from Kurao. Grew up hunting and fishing, and it's easy in Dunedin to continue those kinds of outdoor pursuits. I was a journalist and then uh, slid into the natural history unit of TVNZ at the time. We started making a lot of wildlife documentaries around Dunedin and the kids' show Wild Track. So had a great chance to explore the environment of Dunedin and realised how special it is. Coming from the inland hills of North Otago, it was a novelty to see the ocean uh, and the moods of the ocean and the harbour and um, the rich life. So since that time, I've had a relationship with the environment of Dunedin in different ways. Um, I still go hunting and fishing a little bit, and uh, I take a lot of photographs. And now, um, after 40 years in television, um, owning Monarch Wildlife Cruises, taking people out and showing them the animals that we made documentaries about uh, in the late 70s. So you certainly cemented that relationship with the harbour and its environments. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So tell us about the origins of this festival then. How did you become involved? Okay, well, uh, coming out of an international business environment, I was selling our ideas for NHNZ to global broadcasters and then finding myself working in Dunedin, so working very locally, um, kind of for the first time for, for decades, um, and getting involved in the tourist scene and sort of the nature scene again um, in Dunedin, uh, it struck me that while we had all kinds of other festivals, the Science Festival, fantastic, Matariki, fantastic, you know, ID Fashion, all the, the Heritage Festival, which is also new, it struck me that we have no nature festival and it is one of the great um, strengths of Dunedin. So thought, why not? Suggested it to um, a group of people, and everyone was enthusiastic. So all of the major nature organisations are enthusiastic. Um, the tourist operators, uh, the conservation groups, the community groups, everybody has said, yeah, this is, this is cool, and they've just gone for it. I mean, it is, uh, in, in many respects, a, a commercial... Um uh, environment as well, and there is competition. All the kind. You didn't sense that there was any uh, any reluctance for people to be working together to celebrate Dunedin in this way. No, in tourism, I have been struck by how well people work together. That they are competitors in a way, but there's a great amount of cooperation. So cooperation, and um, my business does that. Those arrangements were set up um, years ago. It, it's a small town, I think. People know each other in their own spheres, and they work together really well. So nothing but enthusiasm. It's one thing to have a wonderful idea. It's another to put it into practice. And looking at the schedule of events for Wild Dunedin, it is jam-packed. 
How did you even begin to start drawing those events together? Um, yes, it is. It is easy to have ideas, and uh, it has been a great group of people working hard to make those that idea into a reality. Well, we kind of started with a blank sheet of paper, threw down some ideas, but really also just went out to the community and asked the community groups, everything from Aramoana Conservation League to Forest and Bird to Fantail Trails, which is walks for kids, just asked people um, if they wanted to be involved. So that's really what the program is, those people who want to be involved, whether they are community groups or um, tourism operators. Many of the enterprises involved offer this wonderful tourist experience, but perhaps are not so much on the radar of Dunedin people. Are you aware of of, of that? And is this partly about um, just tapping people on the shoulder and saying, "Oi, you can go out and have these experiences too." Yeah. Well, being a, a, a tourist operator now, I'm struck by how few Dunedin people pay to go out and and see. Um, what we have. Uh, I guess a lot of people can go out themselves. There are boaties, there are walkers, but you know, you get out on those far peninsula beaches or you go to the the hills, even just Flagstaff, you don't see a whole lot of people. So there must be a lot of people in Dunedin who who don't get out and explore that much. And uh, we're finding them all the time and people say, oh, I'd forgotten how great the harbour is. And that must apply to the hills, the forests as well. And I suppose uh, another element to to uh, enjoying uh, Dunedin in this way is that you can tap into a little bit of expertise. There are people who give you a little bit of a history or tell you something you didn't know, even though perhaps you have had the chance to see it before. For sure. And, and these um, events over the weekend of um, the festival, those passionate and knowledgeable people are there. One great example is the um, Town Belt Walk at Ross Creek with a group of students, the APES students, which uh, are from a number of the departments, and they may be young, but they have some knowledge and they're out there willing to share it. We're enjoying some lovely weather at the moment. You will have thought quite carefully about the timing of this event. What makes it special at this time of year? Yeah, it is interesting that uh, Tourism New Zealand is busy spending about 80% of its budget um, to persuade overseas visitors to come in the autumn and spring. And again, they're kind of forgotten gems, especially in the south where the seasons are more pronounced. Um, We wanted to avoid the busyness of summer, but, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of change happening in spring and autumn. Um, New growth uh, or autumn colours, um, birds uh, hatching in spring and in autumn, birds flocking together for the winter. Migrants are departing or about to depart. Um, so there, there is a, there's, a, it's, there's a great feeling, you know, the weather is crisper. We're feeling that fantastic Otago uh, winter start to edge in. Your own experience with the monarch, it must be a real pleasure to be involved in witnessing other people's experience of discovery. Yeah. Myself, I I had been on the harbour a lot in the 80s and uh, was fishing, was out there filming, uh, windsurfing, and then I hadn't. I'd lost touch with the harbour, and uh, when I got back on it again, on the Monarch, with people saying, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful place, I thought, yeah, it really is. 
and the changing light, the changing tide, the changing weather, um, and the animals, there's always something different to see out there. Let's turn to the festival program now, Neil, and uh, we simply can't walk through every element of it. It is such a busy program, but I am going to ask you a very unfair question, and I am going to ask you just to cherry-pick a few examples, perhaps, that, um, that uh, demonstrate the diversity of the program. Cool. Well, one that I think is fun, and everybody else must think is fun because it's already booked up, is the kite-making, the penguin kite-making and flying. Um, so that's for kids. That is already booked, 40, 40 people. Uh, so that's an indication of interest there. Uh, I thought that was great. But uh, for kids, the fabulous wild frogs at Otago Museum on the Saturday afternoon, and uh, one of the great professors from the zoology department, Phil Bishop, is there with Susie Cato, who's an ex-TV uh, host, also passionate about frogs, with some other creatures and good fun activities. Um, so I'm kind of looking at the things for children to do. There are a lot of walks. A lot of the walks that are open for everybody are also great for kids. Um, Aramoana Walk, um, the train trip to Tyree, uh, through the Tyree Gorge, and a walk to Sutton Salt Lake. So that is the local people in Middlemarch and the outer reaches of our city and joining forces with Dunedin Railways to um, take people through that fantastic landscape. Um, I like that because it kind of illustrates the diversity of Dunedin. Uh, the kayaking available on Sinclair wetlands, again, um, wetlands, forest, highlands, um, the forest at Orokanui, I guess, is the best example of, um, of a return, a, a conservation initiative and some fantastic action to start um, getting us closer to where New Zealand once was in primal times. So. I like those. One other great example, I think, of the diversity is the Bio Blitz on Otago Peninsula. So it's a group of specialists um, doing botanical and entomological and ornithological surveys. But at Pukihiki Hall, there's going to be displays and talks um, highlighting the work that um, STOP, Save the Otago Peninsula, and the Otago Peninsula Biodiversity Group are doing. You know, so they have been um, targeting possums, reducing the numbers of possums in the last three years, as a result of which the bird population has increased by 20%. That was a count of a year ago. So that's a great kind of mixture of um, expertise and also just something that everybody can go and, um, and see and learn about. The night sky, um, Beverly Beg Observatory, and there's some people setting up in the octagon. Uh, so... You know, nature isn't confined to what's on the ground around us here. The new director of Otago Museum is passionate about our night sky, and I think we're going to hear more about Dunedin's night sky, the aurora that you can see, um, even just the sunsets and sunrises. Fantastic. It's uh, an incredibly busy program, and we're going to find out more about it, of course, in the, the coming days and weeks as we lead up to the uh, 22nd of uh, April. Um some events are free, others are, um, there's a, a charge associated, but I guess uh, some of the operators involved come up with special deals for the events. Yes. Um, as happened with the Heritage Festival, there were free activities and operators um, opened their doors and gave um, deals. Those deals vary, great discounts. Monarch, for example, is doing 50% discount and $5 of each 
um, ticket will go to Penguin Conservation, and we are working with Elm Wildlife Tours on the Sunday, and again, it's a, a deep discount, and $10 of every ticket is going to Sea Lion Conservation. So that's an example of, of what's going on. Um, Penguin Place is doing a talk on on penguin rehabilitation. They've done a lot of work with DOC, with the Yellow-Eyed Penguin Trust, and some specialist vets. They had funding for a veterinarian this year. Um, starving penguins, penguins bitten by barracuda. So a lot of great work um, was done, so people can learn about that and then go on a discounted uh, tour. I guess uh, the expertise that you're going to call on for this festival is pretty much locally based. Are there any special guests coming in? <clears throat> you mentioned Susie Cater coming, of course, and she's uh, the yes. host of Susie and Friends. Su- on. Susie uh, is an import. Um, the festival guest and the guy who will talk at the opening at the museum on Friday evening is Jeff Simmons. Now, he works with Gareth Morgan. <clears throat> Jeff is an economist, um, but he is working with Gareth on a lot of the conservation initiatives that the Morgan Foundation is interested in, clean water. Um, but what is of most interest and most relevance here, I think, is the pest um, targeting. Now, we're doing it. Arakanui is doing it. Peninsula, Otago Peninsula is doing it. Dock is doing it everywhere. The Penguin Reserves are doing it. And um, Gareth Morgan gathered some controversy with his comments about cats. But, you know, cat control is a very serious issue. They are incredible predators. There's a lot of feral cats around Dunedin and New Zealand. And so it's an issue that we must face. But also ferrets, stoats, weasels, hedgehogs, possums. And there's a lot of introduced predators that are making it hard for the native birds to survive and and invertebrates as well. Uh, So Jeff will be interesting speaking at the museum. He will come uh, for a pofuri at uh, midday at Otako Marae. And then he will, will take him around. He'll see some of that conservation work. So that's going to be really interesting. If you can project yourself a little bit further into the future, <clears throat> Neil, excuse me, and say when you meet to debrief about this inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival, what are your hopes in terms of the things you're going to take away from this festival and the potential for the future of it? Um, I hope mainly that the people who've got out there have had a really good time and uh, encountered something maybe they haven't before or have done something that they love doing and are working with other people on doing it. Um, so we hope people will get out and discover something new, try something new. Um, and we hope that the uh, response is strong enough that it'll help us go to next year, make application for more serious funding, because this year has been on the smell of an oily rag, a lot of volunteering, um, a lot of contributions in kind from a lot of great supporters, including Otago Access Radio. Um, and so I hope we will make and will be in time to make application to funding bodies. We now also quite recently had our charitable trust status confirmed, um, granted to us, so we can make application to bodies uh, with with that status. And so we can gather ideas and funding for a strong event next year. I think this community group event is kind of the heart of the festival, and our trust, that's our aim, to... um, have people celebrate nature, to learn about Dunedin's special nature, and to get out and try and help it. That's the heart of it. 
You've mentioned um, supporters, and there are some key supporters. There are many, and I know you can't mention them all, but it probably is fair to acknowledge, uh, Neil, some of the key organisations have made Wild Dunedin possible this year. Yeah, well, the organising committee really comprises a lot of the key nature organisations, the Department of Conservation, um, Orokanui, Tiger Peninsula Trust, the museum, the university, Dock, Yellow-Eyed Penguin Trust, uh, Otako Runanga, Dunedin City Council, so you name it, a few of our um, commercial operators in there, you name it, and, and the people are helping. Well, it's time now for people to, to get a hold of their program, Neil, and start planning their experience of Wild Dunedin. Where can they find out more information about this wonderful festival? Uh, easiest way is to go online, www.wilddunedin, and that will uh, get them to our website, which is looking really nice. Um, so the program is there. There's also some really nice stories of a bit, a bit of depth of some of the things they can do so they can decide what it is they want to do. Um, there are brochures uh, available, and they can be picked up from the eyesight, uh, from the library, uh, and also they're spread around the cafes and other places around town. Neil Harrow, I want to thank you for coming in this morning on the Awesome Morning Show to talk about the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival gets underway on Earth Day, the 22nd of April, and runs right through the weekend and includes Monday, the 25th of April. Uh, on the Awesome Morning Show over the coming couple of weeks, we'll hear, hear more about uh, Wild Dunedin. All the very best uh, for your experience of it, Neil. Good luck. Thank you. You're on Otago Access Radio's Spotlight on the Wild Dunedin Festival to be held from Earth Day, the 22nd of April, until Monday, the 25th of April. Next up, we hear from Gabriel David of Fantail Trails. Family adventures that provide an opportunity for unstructured play for children and adults alike. Here to tell us more about that is Gabrielle David. Thanks for joining us on the show. It's good to have you here, Gabrielle. Thank you very much for having me. Fantail Trails, tell us about the origins of this idea for you. Uh, well, our family spent about three and a half years living in Southern California recently, and that's where we first encountered this phenomenon of family nature clubs, which is what Fantail Trails is. Um, there's been a huge movement in the USA started by um, a guy called Richard Louvre, who wrote a book called Last Child in the Woods, which was about how children modern children these days, they play outside less. And he was worried about the implications of that. Um, When they grow up, they may not value the natural spaces in the world anymore. So um, he wrote this book, and then from that it really snowballed, and they started a network called the Children in Nature Network, which is a really big movement. Um, In 2014, they estimated they had supported 369 grassroots campaigns that connected 3.5 million children to nature in 48 states in the USA and 12 nations. And part of that is they um, support these things called family nature clubs. So when we were in San Diego, we attended one regularly. Um, And it's just a group of families that have a common goal of getting outside and spending time in the outdoors with their children regularly. And when we moved back to Dunedin, It was actually instigated by my oldest daughter, who was about five at the time. She kept asking, when are we going to hiking group? Where's hiking group? And eventually, after about six months of that and Googling online and trying to find something similar, I thought, well, I just can't wait for someone else to start it for us, so we'll start our own. Um, And that's where it came from. What was your observation of how your children were responding to these opportunities? Well, starting out, it was really interesting. I 
think when you people these days I find a lot of them feel they don't know how to do nature with children and they find they kind of think that it should be more of a provided experience and that it should have some structure and some activity and I went along initially like that as well and I was really put off of this idea of just letting my daughter go out there and do her own thing I thought well that's it's not very educational I mean what is she learning from this um but over time, I came to see that um, when she was left to her own devices and I was just standing at a distance for a bit of safety supervision in case she fell in a stream or something, um, that she really um, she really blossomed like in her own connection with nature. She really enjoyed it. Um, it really encouraged her curiosity and her imagination to play in her own way. Has it been your observation that your children's opportunities to, to play in this way have been diminished because of our kind of um, overprotective kind of uh, uh, attitude to ch- children's play? I think so, yeah. There's a lot of concern. I mean, some of it's very valid. There is a lot more traffic these days. I mean, I grew up on a farm, mm. so my mum just had to say, you know, go outside and we were fine. But... um now I live in a city with my children and with that increased urbanisation there is more traffic to contend with. You can't just necessarily send your children off to the local park to explore because it might be really far away. They might be busy roads to cross and people are concerned about other safety aspects and nature is in some ways it inherently has a lot of dangers but children are never going to learn how to cope with those risks if they never play in that way they don't know how to climb a tree then yes when they do eventually try it they may fall out and hurt themselves but how did you first then go about spreading the word about fantail trails um i probably annoyed a lot of people by emailing (laughs) them i set it up um we're on a site called meetup.com it's more popular in the states but it's sort of starting more here and i set up our site and then I just emailed lots of different community groups that are involved with either children or nature and said look this is what we've started can you please advertise it to the group that you work with so um, we get a lot of members joining through like the likes of um, Sport Otago have an active movement section that they've put us on um, and we've had a lot of good interactions with the likes of the Dunedin Amenities Society who volunteered to show us around Craigaburn um, and word kind of just got out in that way. Well, tell us a little more about the excursions you've had so far and about this kind of philosophy, which I'm, I'm quoting you here, an opportunity to get dirty, search for nature treasures and so on. Yeah, so our, um, our explorations are all unstructured typically. Um, we sort of, most of our children are between babies and early primary. So children in their age range, they don't, really want to be given a structured activity in nature. So we just, we go out and we let them choose which way we're going to go and what they're going to do. Um, and we focus on what we call nearby nature, which is nature that is in the city. So they can access it again easily. The aim is to introduce them to spaces that when they are able to explore independently, that they can go back to them. Um, on weekends, we sometimes go within an hour's drive of the city um, but we typically explore any green space in Dunedin. It doesn't need to be like a very pristine or biodiverse or nature-rich space. Um, if it has a grassy hill or a tree, the kids will enjoy it. You've mentioned the importance of supervision. Tell us a little bit more about how you approach that on any given day. Um, well, we adults typically try to 
stand to the side as much as we possibly can um, and just let the children explore. We've actually had no incidents of children getting injured or needing active supervision. I mean, sometimes with the little preschool ones, if we are near an area that has like a fall hazard into a stream or something, they don't have a great concept of edges, so you do need to provide more supervision there. But um, usually they're just left to their own devices. They just like to play with mud, sticks, stones, water. They just like really simple things. And each other, I imagine. Yes, that's the other thing about it being a group is that um, it provides a peer group for the children to explore with so they can collectively sort of come up with all these things together rather than adults providing an experience for them. Gabrielle, I'm also guessing that for many of the adults, a lot of the explorations you're doing will be new experiences for them also. They are, and um, I think they enjoy them as well. And they may, um, like at the periphery, be aware of where certain spaces are in Dunedin, but they have never explored them. So we do have a lot of families um, say they're very grateful for being introduced to certain spaces and that they go back and visit them regularly um, in their own family time once they've found them. Um, and it's also a very social experience for the parents. Um, it's a nice way to get out and just chat to other parents and relax. In general, do you give people a brief on what they should bring with them on the day, like in terms of footwear, clothing, um, you know, anything else they might want to bring, binoculars or so, <laughs> so forth? Um, yeah, we do have like a general description on our site um, about dressing weather appropriately. Um, we try to be very positive about... Um, the cooler weather and the weather that parents wouldn't usually associate with being positive about. So <laughs> we we like to dress appropriately so that children can enjoy mud and water and the cold and snow and messy stuff without being too freaked out. So we suggest bringing a change of clothes um, in case they get really dirty. And we do provide like a nature exploration kit, but people can bring their own stuff, which we have binoculars and magnifying glasses and little buckets. Kids love collecting things. So the adventure that's lined up as part of the Wild Dunedin Festival for Fantail Trails is a glowworm adventure. Tell us about this one. Um, Well, it's really exciting, I think, the time of year that Wild Dunedin has chosen for this adventure because it gives us the ability to do a nighttime adventure and see something like glowworms because most younger children, they don't get out to explore the world at night time and the world at night time is a very different place it looks different there's different noises um, and it's very exciting for them to see that so we're going to visit the glowworms um, up Leith Valley and I guess most children would not have seen them yet um, and it's just a very exciting experience for them to see I guess what's like nature's fairy lights. <laughs> Gabrielle I'm, I'm guessing that there's quite a few parents out there that probably haven't done that little trip either so I'm sure it'll be a, a, a novel experience and very exciting. Um, have you done that before as a Fantail Trails group? Yes we've done it once before. Um, someone else in the group um, hosted it yeah and I hadn't been before <laughs> admittedly at that time there's spaces in Dunedin that I've never been before and um, so I was very pleased to be introduced to that space and I'm looking forward to visit it again. You've said it's not um, intended to be a particularly an educative experience but is there anyone on hand who knows a little bit about glowworms? Um, it will depend on the group on the day um, yeah, so you kind of rely on the resources of of, yes. of of who turns up at any one of these events. Yeah, 
So um, rather than being like taught by an expert, we're kind of learning together and we we have grandparents come along. Grandparents are a great source of knowledge. Yeah. Um, they can always identify trees and berries and things for us. Um, yes, yeah, so we rely on the group knowledge to kind of share. Is there a cost to any of the Fantail Trails uh, excursions? No, Fantail Trails is completely free to make it accessible for everyone. Um, and, I mean, nature's free, so there's not really <laughs> cost to any of our activities. <laughs> so when is this Glowworm excursion lined up for? Uh, the Glowworms is on Saturday the 23rd of April at 6.30pm. Uh, it's a very short walk. It's only, depending on how fast your kids walk, about 10 minutes. So it's very accessible for small children and a good time to still get them home in time for bed. So where can people go to find out more information about uh, where they should be on the night to turn up to start this adventure? Uh, they can go to the Wild Dunedin website um, and there's also programs for Wild Dunedin available at iSight, I believe, and at various locations around Dunedin. Um, you need to book for this adventure just because parking is limited, so we can't take a large number of people. But um, full instructions on how to get to the glowworms are on the Wild Dunedin website, so if someone wants to explore it at another time with their friends or family, they can. All right. And in terms of Fantail Trails presence on the internet, do you have your own um, contacts there? Uh, we are on meetup.com um, and you just search for our group name, Fantail Trails, and anyone can join. We have a short number of questions, mainly for security reasons, um, that people answer when they join, but anyone is welcome to join the group. Thank you so much for coming in this morning, Gabrielle, to tell us about Fantail Trails. All the very best for this excursion, part of the Wild Dunedin Festival, a very busy programme of events which includes many that are family friendly and children friendly. And it sounds like Fantail Trails can offer other opportunities throughout the year as well, which I'm sure Dunedin people will get out and enjoy. Thanks for joining us, Gabrielle. Thank you. You're on Otago Access Radio's Spotlight on the Wild Dunedin Festival to be held from Earth Day the 22nd of April until Monday the 25th of April. This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.